Welcome in, everybody, to GC Live Talking Tuesday. It is February 13th, 2024, which means we are about just a month away from South Carolina kicking off spring football and being able to see a lot of new faces. 20 via the transfer portal. And that doesn't even include the nearly two dozen players at South Carolina. It's bringing in from the high school ranks as well as Juco as well. He's intern Joe. I'm Mike. You appreciate you guys tuning in today. Joe, last Thursday, we played it on the show, had an opportunity to listen to a lot of the new faces via the transfer portal on GC Live Afternoon Drive. We also had a chance to listen to Gilbert Edmond, someone that is back with the program. I wouldn't necessarily call him new to the program by any means, but we had a chance to listen to him as well, have a chance to listen to a few more players that we didn't have a chance to listen to on Thursday. And if you haven't already, if you want to go and check them all out, or maybe you missed some of those interviews from last week, head on over to the Gamecock Central YouTube page. We have about, I'd say, what, 14, 15 players that we did video interviews with of the 20 players who spoke with us last Thursday. Intern Joe, <clears throat> before we get to that, though, yep, Super Bowl, other night, Debo Samuel, Javon Kinlaw, they come up short. For Rod Wilson, former South Carolina captain, he wins his third Super Bowl as a coach, back-to-back with the Kansas City Chiefs. Congratulations to him. For Debo, he could throw Javon in there simply because, you know, he's on the 49ers, but for Debo in particular, when does he get over this hump? I mean, obviously, it's not just him. I know it's football. It comes down to the whole team. I get all of it. But this felt like it was going to be the year for him. It felt like everything was lined up. I know he battled through injuries. I mean, but that's been the story of his entire career. I thought this was going to be it. They had the recipe, I felt like. But going up against Mahomes, not an easy task. Not an easy task. Yeah, Mike. I mean, when does he get over the hump? I don't know. I think it's tough to say as long as that Mahomes guy's out there running around. You know, you were on the the other end of of a dynasty and what that looks like. So, um, you know, I don't know. I mean, I think, you know, the Chiefs obviously, you know, establishing their dynasty. Um, it is alive and well. And as long as 15 and red is running around in the backfield, I don't know how how much luck everyone else is going to have. Um, but, you know, it was a pretty good performance for Debo. I mean, obviously you wish you could have done a little bit more. Javon Kinlaw was also involved on a lot of big plays as well. Mm-hmm. But, again, he came up just short um, in the end of it. But, um, you know, pretty good campaigns for the both of them as well. Um, you know, really, really good season. Um, out of all the Gamecocks in the NFL, obviously you look at the guys that go the furthest. Those two had the best seasons out of anybody, um, but a lot of Gamecocks in the NFL are still yeah. doing well and, and whatnot. But yeah, I mean, I, tough to say when they when exactly they get over the hump. Um, again, as long as 15 and Red still running around in Kansas City, I don't know. So I bring that up because today on Gamecock Central, we did our final. Gamecocks in the NFL piece. We did that throughout the entire season, going all the way back to preseason, all the way back in August. But the official tally that I had could be off by a number, but I think we're spot on with it. 35 Gamecocks were on NFL teams since August. Of those 35, 26 appeared in at least one game this season. So you can head on over to GamecockCentral.com. You can check that out. Gives you breakdowns on how every player, we're talking Kevin Harris, Ernest Jones, Adam Prentice, Darius Rush, 
keep going down the list to the guys who even had opportunities like Shy Smith. And just to clear this up, because I know some people brought this up during the playoffs, Shy Smith on January 17th, he signed a reserve slash future contract with the Chiefs. What that means, what that means is he was not a member of the Kansas City Chiefs this year. So he doesn't get a Super Bowl ring. It is for the 2024 season. I know it's 2024, but this is not the 2024 season. It's the 23 season. So he has signed a deal for next year. But you can head on over, check all the guys out. You mentioned, you mentioned Debo in the regular season. Debo, 60 passes he caught for 892 yards, seven touchdowns. Also rushed for 225 yards and five touchdowns on 37 carries. Also had six kickoff returns for 154 yards. The player that had, to me, the biggest season, and it's tough to argue that anyone else did. Maybe you could make an argument for Javon Kinlaw. I mean, excuse me, Jadavian Clowney for what he did this year. Oh, yeah. Tying a career best with nine and a half sacks in the regular season. Phenomenal, phenomenal year for Clowney. But it's hard to say that outside of him, Ernest Jones missed two games, set our new Rams record for tackles in a season with 145, also had 14 tackles for a loss, four and a half sacks, and defended six passes. A lot of good things by Gamecocks in the NFL this season. To me, Ernest Jones, though, like I said, if you want to make a case for Clowney simply because of the longevity the numerous injuries he had to play through over the course of his season just to get to this point, plays in his first AFC championship game of his career. Those are the two that really stand out to me the most. But again, head on over to GamecockCentral.com. You can check them all out. All right, Joe, again, going back to Thursday on the program, we talked a lot, and I say we, I'm talking me, we talked a lot about the new players that came in and some of the things that stood out to us. We didn't talk that much about wide receivers. I just want your initial take on what you thought, whether it be from Jared Brown to Gage Laverdane, whoever, the wide receiver trio that was in there. Yeah. What what were some things that stood out to you? Yeah, Mike, I mean, these guys are ready to compete, right? We, we've we heard that about every single guy in the portal, right, and, and, and Shane. And, and this whole coaching staff's pitch to all of the guys coming in is, you know, we can't guarantee you a spot. What we're going to guarantee you is a chance to compete. And all of the guys that are in that wide receiver room, whether it be Larva Dane or Amari Huggins, Bruce, Jared Brown, um, they're all ready to compete. I mean, you know, they've been competing in winter workouts a little bit, but spring ball, like you mentioned, Mike, just on the horizon. Um, I saw a lot of maturity out of these transfer players. Um, you know, that's one thing you would want in a room uh, that's so loaded. I mean, you've got a bunch of freshmen coming in. You've got Nick Harbor, really young and and, and inex- inexperienced at this point. But, um, you know, you brought, you're bringing in a lot of veterans, um, a lot of speed as well. These guys are very confident in their abilities. And again, like I said, the, my main point is that they're ready to compete. They understand the circumstances. They only, they know only three, two, three guys can get on the field at once. So um, they're ready to bring their best. And then also one thing that stood out to me, Mike, um, is they, the amount that they talked about special teams and their amount that they, they were interested in playing special teams, right? Yeah. Um, obviously, Pete Lembo leaving and then Joe D. Camillus coming back in um, to take the special teams coordinator position. But, um, you know, I don't think there's going to be a drop-off with Joe D. We've talked about him on this program 
a lot, but um, you know, these the wide receivers especially um, are ready to play special teams. They they said you know it was part of the pitch at South Carolina, um, and and they're ready to you know be able to do that right, whether it be a gunner, returner, one way or another. Um, you know, they're just ready to compete and see the field. Yeah, and having a chance to catch up with Jared Brown, for those of you who remember Perry Parks when he was coaching over at Ridgeview, Coach Parks talked around a little bit. He's back at his alma mater at Coastal Carolina, had a chance to work with Jared Brown directly. So when you hear some of those Perry Park comments from the top, got him to smile talking about that. Here is what one of South Carolina's newest wide receivers had to say about being here in Columbia and playing for the Gamecocks. Take a listen to Jared Brown. I mentioned Coach Parks, you know, and he speaks to the world of you. You know, what were you able to learn from not just him, but during your time over at Coastal that has you feeling like you're more prepared now for a situation like yeah. this? Um, just, just the, uh, just to play in college football. You know, I have the experience. I have three years of experience, and I'm playing in college football. You know, at the at the end of the day, uh, no matter what conference you are playing in, college football is college football. So. Um, I have learned the experience and when it comes to Coach Park. You know, he he was really big on route route running. Like we have to be able to run routes, no matter what, no matter if you're inside or outside. So you know, every every day in practice, we would really work on routes and break points and stuff like that. Like the the little things that will make us better. For you, I mean, they they use you inside. They use you on the perimeter. They use you in the backfield a little bit. How would you describe your game for people that might not be familiar with you, might not have seen any tape over at Coastal in terms of what you could be bringing to South Carolina, what you hope to bring? I would say, you know, how, like, on the roster it says WR by my name. I would I would put A-A-T-H, you know, because, you, know, you know, they move me everywhere. So, you know, I, I'm not – you know, I am a receiver, but, you know, they can move me in different places to what makes me happy. On the outside looking in, you know, we look at your experience. We think that you know you could be one of those players that can help be a leader in that young room. Obviously, Luke Doty's been there for a while, but I bring that up because how do you walk that line? We've talked about with this with other players in the past that come from the portal. How do you walk that line of trying to be the leader, but at the same time, too, you're the new guy in the block? Right. How's that like? Yeah, I'm, yeah, it is. It, it is pretty hard because that you don't want to just come in and you know just think that you're running things, you know, yet like that you want to fill everyone out first. But I feel like I can lead through my play, you know, at, at first. And then if I need to say something to bring the team up, I will. But the first thing that I need to do is is uh, is produce so, so they can um, see me leading that way. Has anything stood out to you in terms of what you were told about South Carolina that maybe you're here and it's like, wow, like, that's that's the truth. Whether it be yeah. Coach Beam or the players, whatever the case may be. Yeah, they they uh, told me before I came. You know, this is a very loving environment. You know, everyone on the team loves each other. And when I came in, you know, it was it was just just like that. Like I came in, and they immediately treated me like family. So, sure, that's what around with me. Impressions of Coach Coley. Uh, I like I like Coach Coach Coley. He's he's been at the uh, big stage. He was at Texas A&M last year, and I think previously he was at. Uh, Florida State or Georgia? He's at both. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Florida State and Georgia. So you know he's put put guys in the league, and you know he's put put guys in the all. He's made guys the All American stuff like that. So I feel like he he would be a good addition to this team. 
and to the staff. Special teams are a very big part of this program. Do you have any plans on playing special teams? Any way I can get on the field, I'll do it. You know, I don't I don't have a problem playing special teams. You know, I wish I would have played special teams more in, um, at Coastal, but was that was that something that they brought up with you? Obviously, there's a change in special teams coordinator, but you know, there's been players, especially the wide receiver position, over the last couple of years, and they've talked about just how much that helped them in terms of being able to play at that next level. Yeah, right. Because you know, most most scouts and coaches look at, you know, can they can they play special teams? And, you know, most of the rookies coming in play special teams anyway. So if you can show that on film now, then you know that'll go a long way. It's never been. All right, there you go. Jared Brown having yeah. a chance to meet with us on Thursday. Joe, just your initial takeaways from just listening to what Jared had to say. Yeah, Mike, uh, you know, again, very confident young man. Big Red brings us up from the wide receiver interviews. The thing that stood out the most was confidence. Absolutely. All these guys have confidence, right? And I think, you know, if any position on the field needs to be, you know, that fighter pilot mentality needs to be the wide receivers. And, you know, the SEC is not an easy place to play wide receiver in. Um, so you need to bring as much confidence, if not more um, confidence than the DB that's lining up across from you. Right. And, you know, the, all of the DBs in, in the SEC are probably are five stars or, or highly touted recruits or have been made to be to play on this level and to play at an elite level as well. So, uh, you know, the confidence was one thing. And then obviously the special teams as well. But Jared seems like a very confident young man. Um, and also he's very capable of, mm. you know, putting himself in a position to see the field quite a lot, right. Coming from coastal dynamics, speedster has a little bit of size as well. So um, why I I think Jared Brown out of any of the the transfer wide receivers, not to discredit anybody else, but I think, um, you know, Jared Brown is probably um, the most plug and play guy, right. You know, he fits right into your offense um, and you really don't skip a beat. Well, and the other thing too, Joe, when you look at not just the wide receivers coming in, including Jared, and you look at the wide receivers who are already here, the Luke Doty's of the world, Nick Harbour, Russell, Caldwell, just keep going down the list, right? Even the newcomers coming in from the high school ranks, Mazio Bennett and DeBron Gatlin. When you look at it, to me, at least as of right now, as we sit here today on February 13th, to me it makes sense that Jared Brown would be the number one guy, or at least heading into spring ball that he's going to be competing for that number one spot simply because like you mentioned you can you can plug him in anywhere i think some people when they think number one receiver they think that okay he has to be on the outside all the time that's not the case especially not in this offense you go back to last season and you see how south carolina used xavier Leggett. he was on the outside he was on the inside they did whatever they needed to do to get things done. Now, certainly things changed throughout the course of the year once Juice Wells went down, but Juice was out for the majority of the season. And that forced South Carolina to turn to Xavier to become their number one guy. I bring that up because regardless of where you have Brown out there, to me, he seems like the most logical number one receiver at this point. Having said that, and I talked about this on January 26. You can head on over to the updated early breakdown of South Carolina's 2024 wide receiver room. Get a good look as to what you can expect with the receivers that are on the roster from a scholarship standpoint. Good breakdown of the newcomers, both via the portal as well as 
being recruited out of high school on top of the guys who were already going to be back from last year. But when we look at that wide receiver room, to me, and I've and I've I wrote this, I could see Brown, Huggins, Bruce, Harbor, Russell, Laverdane, and Doty being the six heading into week one. Now that doesn't mean Codwell, Bennett, Gatling. That doesn't mean like, oh, wait a minute, you know, but when you combine those things, when you combine the experience of Brown, Huggins, Bruce, and Laverdane, when you combine that with the guys that did some things last year for you, Harbor, of course, right? How much of a step forward is he going to take this season? I mean, I think it's fair to say that we would expect him to take a giant step after starting to learn the position a year ago on the flip side of it. He also also has a new quarterback, a younger quarterback. It's not like, you know, you have Spencer Rattler back there, regardless of how good sellers could be. You also have to factor in that with Harbor, you're going to have a new wide receiver coach, you know? So, and and you don't have Xavier Leggett out there either. So guys need to create separation, whether it is Brown, go down the list, you know, this receiver, whatever. Other guys are going to have to create separation if you want to see Harbor being able to do some things that you hope that he can do in year two. So, again, this is just looking at it from from all angles, right? We can sit here, we can blow smoke up your backside and just tell you everything's going to be all sunshine and rainbows. There's plenty of... Gamecock outlets that do that stuff. Have at it. Go find, you know, go go watch one of those shows. Take your pants off and have at it. We're going to tell you the truth. And the reality is this is a wide receiver room that needs to be pushed. And you're really banking on the fact of these guys coming in here that they're going to be able to make a difference. I don't want to go back and call players out that came in last year, but there were some players that came in via the portal and it just didn't work out for one reason or another. In this at this junction, you need a hope. You need a hope guys are making a difference, the ones that are coming in. And if they don't, the guys who are on the roster, who were on the roster a year ago, or even some of the freshmen, you better hope to God that they can make a difference. Because if not, it does not matter. It does not matter who's playing quarterback. And I'm optimistic that the offensive line is going to take a big step forward this year. But it does not matter who's that quarterback if wide receivers can't create separation. So you need these newcomers starting with Brown to make a big difference this season. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think it starts with Brown, but also Gage Larvidane, another guy that I, you know, have kind of have circled on that depth chart. Um, I think, you know, he was a leading receiver in the Mac last year um, guy with a very, 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 very high ceiling. Um, you know, Mike, you mentioned there were a couple guys like that coming in last season for, for the wide receiver room. I think Larva Dane, um, you know, is going to go beyond that. Uh, we, we mentioned Jared Brown, Mario Huggins, Bruce. All these guys really have that high ceiling. It's just about the the amount of work that they put in, right? The the body of work that they put in in the spring and summer um, is going to is who's going to get the playing time. And, um, you know, it, it's good to have those guys in there bringing up guys like De- DeBron Gatling, Mazio Bennett, most importantly. Um, and then you also have some 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 freshmen in there too. Uh, you know, Kelvin Henderson is a guy that, you know, red shirt freshman, I guess, uh, you know, but really, really, really young room. And then you have, you know, the, yeah. the guys at the top, the, the experienced guys. And so it's going to be a battle to get on the field, Mike. It, it really is. Codwell, 
Codwell is one of those players in particular, when we talk about redshirt freshmen, that I think could really take a big step forward this year. Absolutely. He was banged up last year at the beginning of the year. And when you get banged up or you're dealing with any type of adversity early on. Peyton Mangrum, too. I, I I love Peyton. He does a lot on special teams. I'd love to see him be able to factor in some shape, way, or form in that wide receiver room. Uh, statistically, it just hasn't been there. You know, statistically, his opportunities haven't been there either. So um, we'll see. Anything that you're able to get out of him is tremendous. I mean, he's a tremendous leader. He brings a lot to that locker room. Um, aside from any type of contributions he can give you on the field, he's done a great job special teams-wise. I, I'll always think, I know people try to forget about the game, but I'll always remember that touchdown he scored against Tennessee on the fake punt in um, in Knoxville a couple of years ago. Kay Kroger, Kai Kroger threw a beauty of a pass, and um, Peyton scored a tremendous touchdown. But having said all that, Russell, I mean, I've talked about – I've talked about how much I think he can take that next step forward, but – it, there's there's going to be opportunities. There's going to be opportunities. We've shared it before in the past how much Beamer, going into the season, he wants to know his six. He wants to know his six. Do I feel like heading into week one, we'll know who those six are by the end of you know, spring football? No. But I think we're going to have a better idea. I think we'll certainly have a better idea. We're going to have a better idea as far as the transfers are concerned, how they start to mesh, how guys like Caldwell, Henderson, Adams, even a guy like Russell, what can they bring to the table this season? The thing with Gatlin and, and Mazio, and I really am high on Mazio simply because of, I, I feel like he's very advanced as far as his route running is concerned for his age. I've talked about it before in the past running with a purpose on his routes, understanding what he's trying to do to the defensive back. Because at the high school ranks, more times than not, not your athletic ability is, a, is able to allow you to create the separation, whether it be speed, whether it be just whatever the case may be. From a college standpoint, being so technically sound, understanding everything you do, especially in the SEC, going up against the SEC defensive backs. Are you kidding me? I mean, go back over the last couple of years. The NFL draft's right around the corner. We'll talk plenty of the NFL draft in the coming weeks. But the number of SEC defensive backs, especially the cornerback position, that have been produced. So you're going up against the best of the best. And when you have an opportunity to come here a little bit earlier in the spring, a guy like Bennett and Gatlin, I think it's going to help them out tremendously. I'm just never going to get too geeked up about freshmen until we have a chance to see them in the spring. Right. I mean, Dylan Stewart, he's someone that yeah. I could see. I mean, there's always going to be outliers, right? Dylan yeah. Stewart, there's always an opportunity for a freshman to go out, but the majority of the time, I'm not going to get all caught up with freshmen quite yet. So let's see what we get yeah. from Bennett. Let's see what we get from Gatlin. Because uh, at the end of the day, they're going to be at the bottom of the depth chart, naturally, right? You're mm-hmm. a freshman, you're going to work your way up. But 
there's going to be some good competition to try to see who those six are. Well, and Mike, I think, you know, Mazio and DeBron Yatling both add to the competition level of the room. It always helps when you have young guns in there that, you know, have a lot of just raw, pure talent. It forces the older guys to get better and, and you know, really lean into the game, the, the part of their game that they don't necessarily have yet. Um, and then that also helps the younger guys develop it. So, um, you know, that, I, I agree. I think that's pretty good you know, wrap up of uh, the wide receiver room. And then William, yeah, I agree. I think, you know, Dylan Stewart will get a lot of playing time. I think, you know, the staff is, you know, elated to have him. Um, and, you know, out of all the freshmen, that if I had to point to one guy and say, this guy's going to see the field quite a lot, I think it's Dylan Stewart. I don't think there's any doubt in anybody's mind inside that building that Dylan Stewart isn't going to see the field or is, is going to see the field, right? So he'll be playing, I, I, I'm assuming, quite a bit. And we've talked about it before in the past, too, but I think it's so important to remind folks these days, just because a freshman doesn't play their freshman year or they only play in four games or less to make sure they stay under that redshirt rule, don't get so caught up with that. I mean, even statistically speaking, right? I mean, the beginning of the year, my God. Some of these freaking people losing their minds about Nicholas Harbor not seeing targets. Like, where the hell have oh, you been? Yeah. Like, this guy was, was playing defensive end and tight end in high school. He was learning a new position. After on top of that, on top of that, the guy was struggling to catch the football throughout fall camp. So I bring those things up because this isn't a video game. This isn't just, okay, you're making a created player and, you know, everything's going to be all sunshine and rainbows as soon as you bring the guy up to the college ranks. There's going to be, especially when you're playing in the SEC, you're not playing in, you know, you're not playing in the Northeast 10 Division II conference. But you're you're playing in the best of the best conference. So you have to understand that there's going to be a learning curve for some of these guys, for the majority of these guys. Some guys will be able to come out right away and they'll be able to make a difference. There's always outliers. But there's also more times than not going to be players that have to wait and they're going to have to get developed. And having even said all of that, never mind the fact of of the days where guys would have to wait because they wanted to be redshirted. You know, I've had conversations with former South Carolina offensive linemen in particular. And they said, man, when I got to college, all I wanted to do was redshirt my freshman year because I wanted an opportunity to get bigger and stronger in the weight room, knowing that I would still have those four years if I wanted to use. I understand things have changed these days, right? Times are changing. You got the portal. Some guys, they don't want to wait as long. But I still think it goes back to selling, selling that vision of being able to play in the NFL, which the majority oh, of these guys, this is what it's it's all about. I mean, I know fans want to hear it's about winning conference championships, national championships. The real thing, though, at the end of the day for these players, they want to play at the next level. And by selling them that vision, you can get the most out of them and the best version of them while they're in the college ranks playing for you so that they don't go elsewhere and they're able to help your program. And obviously, if you have some good players, some great players. Yeah, you can be able to accomplish a lot of great things. But um, I think that's what it comes down to more than anything. So, again, this is just taking a look. You can head on over to Gamecock Central, see the update, 
on how many guys are currently on scholarship for South Carolina. The projected, I should say, for the fall, because some of these guys aren't here yet. Right now, South Carolina is sitting at 87. It's just two over, but as we've said many, many times before, more times than not, those things quickly take care of themselves. Having said all that, having said all that, another player that I know fans are very interested in hearing from is Robbie Ashford. And the big thing to me when listening to what he had to say to our to one of our colleagues is how bad he wanted to not just come to South Carolina to compete, but to be able to have a coach, some sustainability, right? Going to Auburn, coaching changes going on. He has someone that he can learn from and how comforting comforting that is for him. So take a listen to what Robbie had to say the other day. And then intern Joe and I will discuss on the other side of it. Here and just keep going. I mean, it's a reason why I'm still here today. Uh, the Lord has blessed me to keep me keep me on my feet and just he tell or just tell me every single day, man, you're here for a reason. I came to Columbia for a reason. Uh, it brought me here for a reason. So just being in those situations has taught me a lot, and uh, I would bring a lot of those the things I've learned and bring them in a positive way over here. And, uh, you know, just playing in the SEC, I mean, it's the, it's the greatest conference in the country. Uh, you know, I was looking at a lot of schools, and a lot of schools are promising things. But at the end of the day, I knew uh, I wanted to stay in the SEC, and I wanted to come compete for a job. I didn't want anything handed to me. Uh, I wanted to earn the trust and respect of my coaches and teammates because I feel like that's what it all comes down to at the end of the day. They, my coaches and teammates have to trust me and respect me for me to be their guy. And uh, just that opportunity to come in here and do that, uh, listen to Coach D'Lo, just what he has to offer. I mean, I've never seen some of the stuff he showed me. I'm like, man, I've never even thought of it in this light. I mean, so, I mean, he's, I'd say, the best in the business. I mean, just to see Spencer's improvement from the 22 season, which was a great year, to the 23 season, just see how much more pro-ready he is. I mean, that's, I mean, how can you look at that and not be intrigued and be like, man, I would love to go play for a coach like that. Uh, you know, I just haven't had the development from coaches. I mean, there's a lot of instability, like I said, and just a lot of guys uh, who just, I feel like, haven't just been the greatest teachers of all. But once I met Dilo, I was like, man, I can, I can learn a lot. He can help me improve just on the little things. You know, I've played in this conference, and uh I mean, it's a gauntlet, week in, week out. And I remember them vividly telling me, like, man, you're an SEC player. It's like, you wouldn't, we wouldn't want you if you weren't. And it's like, you play in this conference, um, the circumstances you couldn't handle, and we know that. And just to hear that from them uh, meant a lot because, you know, a lot of people see, see the things that go on and they think they know everything, but they don't know the real. So you let those couch coaches be couch coaches, but the boss man and, and coach, coaches like Coach D'Lo, they know the real what's going on. They know a lot of circumstances I couldn't control in Auburn. But uh, they said, it's the reason why we're on the phone with you and we want you here. And when they brought me here, they showed me nothing but love. And they told me straight up, hey, it's a competition. And that's, that's a competitor. That's all I could ask for, this opportunity to compete because it only makes me better and this room better. And at the end of the day, we, want, we always want to get better in any type of – Step or fashion, whoever's in the game, whoever's starting, 
Uh, and I mean, just just listening, listening to them, and just their core values. I mean, they stand for a lot. And I mean, it's a family atmosphere out here. Everybody in this building is great. They've been nothing but welcoming and loving to me, just showing me I'm a part of the family. And that's all. That's all I could ask for. So, yeah. What has it kind of been like working with uh, you know, Davis and Lenore and even Luke and stuff? And you know, obviously Coach Beamer. You know. One of the things he said was that he's not going to promise anyone a starting job. Uh, you also have to compete and win the job here. You know, what does it say about the way he coached compared to some guys that might just, you know, promise you everything? I mean, that shows he's real. I mean, it's a lot of solid coaches who will promise kids a lot of things and they don't live up to that. And uh, he didn't promise me anything. He just, prom- he just promised me the opportunity to compete. And uh, I, I mean, that's all I could ask for. Uh, in 2022, Coach Harson did that for me. And like, like I said, that's all I could ask for. And just working with those guys, just with Luke, Luke with Norris, Davis, Dante, I mean, it's been great. You know, Luke, Luke is a freak athlete. I mean, literally can do anything on the field. He's got some of the best sure hands I've ever seen. Like, just throwing to him, like, or he's like quarterback, and your hands are like this. Like, that yeah, Luke's a great guy. I mean, just all those guys are great. I mean, it's been fun. Just us getting to work together and just keep getting better every single day because, I mean, these workouts are grind coach day. And that staff, I mean, they, they put us through it, but we know we need it to get through this conference schedule we have and just this schedule as a whole. I mean, because we thought we got probably one of the toughest in the, in the country, but they're getting us prepared for it. And we're trying to prepare ourselves every single day. We go out there with workouts, uh, throwing, whatever we do, we're trying to just do 1% better. And I mean, at the end of the day, it's all you can ask for. So, I mean, it's been great to work with those guys. They've been nothing. But Karen and just showing me I'm part of the family, like I said. So it's been great to work with them. I'm excited to just keep continuing to work with them and just hopefully bring bring it back uh, to Columbia on the top. So, All right. Robbie Ashford meeting with us on Thursday. Joe, just initial takeaways from the new QB. My biggest takeaway was that he mentioned Spencer's improvement in Dowell Loggins' offense and how that helped him get more pro ready. Um, I think – you know, it's uh, it's a very, very big deal. Um, and, you know, that's kind of what they're trying to do in this program, right? I mean, Mike, we talk about it. It feels like every week. Um, the amount of NFL experience that is on this coaching staff and the amount that they sell this to players, um, it's it's becoming a real theme in college football. I, the the Washington head coach, um, you know, he, he mentioned, you know, he, they, they're bringing on guys, uh, one of them being Steve Belichick, with NFL experience because that's real money and NIL money isn't, you know, real money. So it's becoming a theme, right? You're starting to see that um, college football programs bring on guys with NFL experience and and that, you know, kind of make up for, you know, the areas where you can't necessarily compete with NIL. Um, so the fact that, you know, Ashford was, you know, prepared for that and and, and mentioned that in, in why he decided to come to South Carolina, I think furthermore speaks to what Shane Beamer is trying to do here. Um, with the NFL talent or the NFL experience. And then also, you know, it's producing results, right? You look at Torian Gray, the results that he's been able to do. And then also whatever Spencer, wherever Spencer ends up, you know, he's going to end up, you know, an NFL draft pick to some to, to some team somewhere, right? So um, there there are results, right, even in the short time being. Um, so I think that says a lot. And, and again, it furthermore backs up, uh, you know, what, what we've been talking about for weeks here. Yeah, we mentioned – being able to get developed by Dal Loggins. And I shared this last week, having a conversation about over a week ago now, with an NFL scout who was out in Mobile, had a chance to not only see what Spencer was able to do 
in the recent Senior Bowl game, but to me, more importantly, in the practice and being able to talk with him throughout the week. And he was like, it's evident that he has had an opportunity to work with an NFL offensive coordinator. So I bring that up because out words getting out, you know, and, and being able to have Rattler perform the way he did, not just at South Carolina last year and the year before that, but more so last year because it was with Dow. But what he was able to do a week, a week ago has really, really helped that stock for South Carolina as far as, hey, you want to come over and get developed by a really good offensive coordinator with NFL experience and come on here. Now, I say that, obviously, people are going to look at it and be like, well, what did Dale do in the NFL? Look at some of the frigging teams he had to coach. Look at some of the quarterbacks he had. I mean, come on. Come on, really. So he was able to make things happen the best he could in the NFL with the ingredients he had, as we talk about sometimes, right? I mean, you can't make a steak with some fruity pebbles and some milk, right? You got to deal with what you got in the kitchen. and. Last year, from a kitchen standpoint, South Carolina, they were sure out of a lot of things. But being able to have Rattler definitely allowed them to do a little bit more than what they probably would have. Having said all that, I do want to go back to one thing I saw here. As we're talking about wide receivers and the offense. Got a question. From Robert Short saying, any updates on the tight end coach search after Justin Stepp left the program last week for Illinois? Where we're at right now with things, and Chris Clark put this name out here the other day, veteran coach John Lilly is a name to watch for the vacant tight end coach at South Carolina. thing with John Lilly, John Lilly, Worked with the Carolina Panthers last year. He has over 30 years of coaching experience, not just in the NFL, but he also has a lot of experience in the college ranks. And I bring that up because I know naturally when we see someone get hired at South Carolina, there's certain boxes I feel like this fan base wants to check off when they're trying to get to know a coach. You know, you look at what happened with uh, Joe D. Camillus getting hired despite the fact this guy has won Super Bowl rings at two different stops as a special teams coordinator. Naturally, Joe, they wanted to know, hey, what can this guy do from a recruiting standpoint? And despite the fact that he has those rings, despite the fact that people like Kyle Markway and former players, not just from the Gamecock standpoint, but guys that have played in the NFL, despite what they said about him, you had some fans that said, okay, well, what can he do from a recruiting standpoint? What is he going to be able to do? I mean, you're a special teams coordinator. You're going to have to know everyone on the on the team, get to know everyone. So I think with John Lilly, the fact that he has more college experience than DeCamillis, I think that will excite some people if that is a name that South Carolina is able to attract to Columbia. And the other thing, too, the other thing, too, that I want to bring this up, and Joe, you mentioned it before, which is the amount of NFL knowledge on this coaching staff. Aside from Shane Beamer, we talk about the assistant coaches, right? Not talking about analysts. I know there's some like uh, Greg Atkins. But we're talking about the assistant coaches. They have either coached or they have played in the NFL. 
every assistant yeah. on Carolina's staff is connected to the NFL in some shape, way, or form. So I bring that up because, yes, selling that vision of the NFL, it is very key. It is very key. And not that South Carolina, we've said this before in the past, they're not the only team in the country that has a lot of NFL experience on their coaching staff, right? They're not like reinventing the wheel here, but they've really prioritized that. And I think obviously some of the changes that took place this offseason, the Ontario Hardesty one, well, okay, you knew you were going to do that one. They had a feeling behind the scenes. They had a feeling behind the scenes that Jody Wright was going to be leaving. So they were able to start putting some things in place. But, I mean, there's been a lot of changes to this coaching staff, a lot of changes to this coaching staff. And I, I feel like what Beamer has done up to this point with replacing those guys who have left, he's done a really nice job. If he's able to land John Lilly here, man, I think that's as good as it gets. I think it really is based on what we've seen South Carolina want to do from a criteria standpoint as far as filling their coaching staff vacancies this offseason. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, obviously, again, I like to talk about Sterling Lucas a lot because, you know, he spent a lot of time, uh, you know, with the Baltimore Ravens, helped shape Yannick Ngakwe, um, you know, as one of the big names. I believe Kyle Kennard was telling us about how Coach Lucas likes to bring up Yannick Ngakwe. Uh, but, yeah, no, it's the new pitch, right? I mean, it's that is how – coaches and in, in programs are trying to level out NIL, right? When you're not necessarily a Georgia, Tennessee, Bama, right? Um, and, and on the NIL front, you um, you got to do something to try to compete with all these big dogs and NFL experience on the coaching staff and, and turning, you know, players into draft picks is seeming to be, you know, that, that next level of recruiting, right? To try to balance out NIL. Yeah, got to do whatever you can. Got to do whatever you can. You mentioned, you mentioned Kyle Kennard. Let's flip things around here. Let's get some defense going. I know you had an opportunity to talk with the new South Carolina edge, and I think I saw a question from someone saying, "Hey, let's talk some edge. We could talk some edge here for you. We'll do so with one of the newest members of South Carolina's edge room." Kyle Kennard here. Take a listen. Good call on the Chiefs there by Kyle. Off to a great start. Sorry. Was the last part of the question? Yeah. Um, I really like the coaching. I like the coaching staff. Every around is as far as every every everyone coaches that. But uh, mainly my, my position coach Gary Lucas. He was a big driving piece piece in the reason I decided to come here as far as uh I find coach I got a big deal of a, a leap of um skill under he reminds me of him. So I that's the reason I decided to choose here. Uh, well, I think the addition of me and the guys you got returning will be just fine. We'll give out pressure on the quarterback. That's something we look to improve on this year. How would you describe your game as someone who never watched you before? Sorry? How would you describe your game as someone who had never seen you before? Uh, 
obvious thing. I feel like I'm a speed rusher at heart. I feel like I can offer a lot of things, but at heart, I'm a speed rusher. Edge rusher. Is there a pass rusher college football you look at maybe try to emulate yourself as their style? I'm a big fan of um, Leonard Floyd and the things he does. You're an ACL guy. You spent so much time in Georgia Tech. How hard was it to leave in the situation there? Uh, yeah. Like I said, there was no bad blood with no one there, so it was a hard decision to leave. Uh, still got love, love for the place in my heart, but uh, I just feel like it was time for a change and somewhere else to go. I'm you know, much looking forward to uh, this year in South Carolina. And what can you, you know, bring to the table? Uh, I'm 100% looking forward to winning. I'm already looking forward to just being a, uh, a valuable, dependable member of the team. And winning is my first tour, foremost goal. I got my own, my own goal as well, but I just want to win. What are some of those individual goals you might have for the season? Uh, just to be the best player I can be, whether that's whether that's getting the sack, whether that's getting TFL, whether that's just holding a block from Evo or somebody else to come up, but just being the best team that I can be. Kyle, you're coming to this room, and there's a five-star recruit in there in Dylan Stewart. What have you been able to see from from the rookie? Man, he's a real athletic guy. Like he's real, real twitchy. Uh, kind of got a high motor. Um, just real athletic. That's probably like the number one thing that's caught my eye the most about that guy. He's a good, cool kid too. Yeah, I've seen you certainly with this before. Um, you know, what was your first interaction like with him? You know, what was he kind of pitch to you on coming here? Oh, yeah, from the moment I had stepped foot here, when I visited, even got on the phone, and even when he came to see me, I just knew he was a real dude all around. Like, I knew what he was saying. He was actually about what he was offering me. It was actually be there. Uh, I felt like um, the things he was offering the teacher, they were more modern. And that's something I really needed in my game. So I feel like all around he was a good fit for me. Sorry. When you look at how you performed last year, and you uh, just my overall game, I'd probably say if I had to nitpick one thing that I wanted to really improve on, it's probably um, how low I get in my pass rush. Definitely setting better edges, not just setting edges, be able to get off the edge and make a play. I want to be more of a disguise everywhere kind of player. So if I had to nitpick, I'd say that. Now, obviously, Coach Lucas spent some time in the NFL as well. Was that part of the recruiting pitch to come to South Carolina, maybe the, the prospects of the NFL? Uh, definitely. Coach Lucas loves bringing up his uh, NFL tenure and, and what guys he's working with. And that's a that's a good pitch because, like, we obviously want to get to their level. So he always brings up guys like Matthew Chudon's probably his number one guy. So he's, he's real heavy in that type of pitch. Yeah. So there's some guys in the NFL that uh, he's name dropped that uh, might have hurt yours a little bit when, when uh, he's he talks He talks a lot about Judon, like I just said. And he also talks about uh, Yannick a lot. Uh, those two guys probably made it. What's the story behind the tattoos? Uh, okay. This is my mom and dad. I'm a little ashy here. I just got to work up. But this is my mom and dad. Uh, this is the state of Michigan where I'm originally from. This is my angel. Uh, the rest of them have no meaning at all. So they just thought they looked cool. That's on the record. <laughs> all right. So there you go. Kyle Kennard, you had the chance to be able to listen to him, Joe. Yep. Is there anything else you can tell us that maybe that we weren't able to pick up from that interview? Anything else maybe you guys talked about off camera or just the way um, he handled I mean, himself? Not really. I mean, pretty much got a really good dose of, of Kyle Kennard there. Um, another confident kid, right? Very confident in his abilities. And, um, you know, I think he, he understands the role that, you know, he's being brought into. Uh, you know, obviously there's going to be a competition at defensive end, but again, um, I, I'm thinking Kennard is going to, you know, 
make it through that push. Um, and you need depth too, right? Um, so again, Kennard is here to compete. He knows nothing is a given, right? But um, certainly is an early favorite to win out the job um, along, you know, with, again, the rest of the talented room. But yeah, really confident kid, you know, and just wants to compete, right? Likes his coaches. And I think, you know, he also is is very confident in the, the rest of the defensive line as well in what Coach T-Rob and, you know, Tonka and Boogie and the rest of the defensive uh, tackles are doing. So um, I think, you know, and, and and a lot of things, you know, from from the defensive linemen that we talked to, right? And 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 that's been a theme of the offseason is just getting the defensive line some help. All the guys that are coming in, um, you know, seem to feel that that the the room is good and that they're ready to compete. There's some depth there now, so that was kind of really the the overall thing that I gathered is that you know they 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 feel confident in themselves as a group, right? They have some some more bodies that are more capable of playing at the sec level and, and not to say the guys last year weren't, but you have a lot of guys that are ready for sec play at this point. So it's going to be a really good competition in that room. Um, and, and yeah, Kyle Kennard, really confident individual and ready to go, ready to play some football. Yeah, as I bring up the edge room, just so people can have an opportunity to take a look at that. We did a piece on South Carolina's edge room earlier this off season. If you're unfamiliar to what I'm talking about by now, then you've probably been under a rock because it feels like we bring it up every show. But all offseason, over on Gamecock Central, we've been doing breakdowns, early breakdowns of South Carolina's rooms, positional groups, just going from one room to another. We updated a few of them because, obviously, from a wide receiver standpoint, there were a lot of changes, a lot of changes via the transfer portal, did some changes to the running back room as well. So head on over to Gamecock Central if you want to take a peek and breakdown of not just the edge position, but every room, really. The only ones we haven't done quite yet. I believe it is the safety room, and we have not done specialists yet. Specialists won't take that much time up, but we'll still have that because we love talking about the specialists here at South Carolina, despite the fact that Pete Lembo is no longer coaching at South Carolina. It is the Joey D era now. Joe D. Camille has taken over as special teams coordinator. But piggybacking off of talking about Kyle Kennard, transfer from Georgia Tech, he had 54 tackles, 11 tackles for a loss, six sacks, two forced fumbles, and an interception last season for the Yellow Jackets. Pairing in 36 games over the last three seasons, he started in 17 of those games. He's a fifth-year senior and has one year of eligibility remaining. So when I look at that and I look at what South Carolina has coming back next year, Joe, in that edge room, never mind the fact that Gilbert Edmond is there too. And I don't think people should sleep on him. I don't think no, people would sleep on him because not. if you think that Shane Beamer is just bringing him back to be a body in that room, I think you're absolutely crazy. I don't think it would be worth the – headaches that would have that, that that come with it and he's had to deal with answer, answering some of the questions we've talked about before when he when I asked him the question about a month ago he gave a 6 minute answer very well thought out answer about the situation he wouldn't put his team through those through those uh obstacles those hurdles that you have to overcome having to answer those questions because I'm sure at some point some of his teammates, especially in that edge room, 
will be asked about Gilbert. But having said all that, as I wrote in my prediction piece, when I look at it, Brian Thomas Jr., if you go back to last spring, he had a very, very strong spring, and he was able to carry that momentum into the season. Started in six of the 12 games last year, 22 tackles. To me, he'll be one of the starters. He'll be one of the starters. And as much as I love Kyle uh, Kanartica, who I also think will be a guy that will be competing for a starting spot, one person who I really like, really like, is Desmond Umiozulu. And we can keep going down the list because that's a position, certainly, that you want to be able to have fresh legs. You want to be able to rotate guys in. You know, Umiozulu didn't play that much last year, but for a freshman, he played a lot, if you know what I'm trying to get at. Yeah, no, I think Desu is a big addition to the room, right? Uh, in all 12 know. games, all 12 games he played last year. Yeah. No, so, uh, yeah, Desu, he was really highly touted coming in. Um, but, again, you just didn't have as much production uh, from your defensive ends for him to really make an impact, right? But, I mean, like Mike said, played in all 12 games. That experience is super valuable for a kid like that. Um, and, and he was part of the DMV to SC connection, right? Um, another mm -hmm. DMV kid. And so you're getting another one with Dylan Stewart. So it's good to have him in the room as well. Um, but yeah, Des you and, and Dylan Stewart are essentially what this staff wants to be the future at defensive end, right? Um, obviously, you brought in some veterans this season. But hopefully next season, you both Des you and Dylan Stewart are ready to take over that starting role. And you don't have any question on, on who your starting ends are. Right. Um, so both those guys, you know, you're looking for big, big productive years for, um, and, and, and Sir Joe, how much do you think Dylan Stewart will play game one? I don't know exactly how much he'll play game one. I think, you know, I, I he'll certainly see the field. Will he start? I don't think so, but I think, you know, he'll be right. He'll be that next tier under. Right. Um, but I, I mean, I don't know. Right. I, there, there's also a possibility of him starting. Right. Mike, I, 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 I think at least if you, if you, uh, you're asking me the question right now, Sir Joe Paxton. You're asking me the question right now. I could see I could see Dylan Stewart playing just defensive snaps. I'm not including special teams. Yeah. I could see him playing about eight snaps. Eight snaps week one. Now to some that's gonna be like, wait a minute, like, you know, what the hell? He's a freshman. He's a freshman. Okay. He's a very talented freshman. Having said that, if he does play eight snaps. And I think he's only going to get better as the season goes on. I think he's one of those players you're not going to redshirt. You're going to want to play him in 12 games. The reason I say eight snaps week one is because there's going to be some things that it's it's going to continue to be new to him. I mean, I think just people need to wrap their head around the fact there that there is a freshman learning curve too. There's I mean, a learning curve. Lyman last yep. year. Yep. So I mean, it's not apples to apples because certainly yeah. with what Dylan Stewart is doing is he's playing the position that he played in high school. But you look at even last year, right? Nicholas Harbor, the number of snaps he played week one against North Carolina and how it continued to go up. Now, obviously, there were some other factors that went into that, injuries at certain positions with, with juice going down. And, and I say the offensive line, the injuries, that kind of changed things up because at times South Carolina had to have had a two tight end set because they needed some extra help on the offensive line. But having said all that, there's a lot of talent in that edge room, a lot of talent in that edge room. And I'm very interested to see how someone like Thomas, how someone like 
Ken Canard, uh, how guys like that are able to perform because they have a golden opportunity ahead of them. But at the same time, too, you have some really talented younger players behind you, some really talented younger players behind you. And that's not even taken into uh, to account a guy like Terrell Dawkins coming back, having an opportunity to get his mind right after dealing with the injury from the previous season. And I've talked about this many, many times before. When you come back from a lower body injury, when you come back from a lower body injury, the mental side of it, to me, and I, I went through a lower body injury, and I don't try to do the whole, you know, wreck, you know, I, uh, back in, um, you know, wreck basketball days, I, you know, I pulled a hamstring. I know what he's going through. I hate that kind of stuff. But the point being is, and I talk about the mental side of it, it's real having experienced it, having talked to these players, having talked to former players that are no longer with the program. And we have seen, we've seen a long list of players at South Carolina over the last couple of years deal with lower body injuries, the challenges that they face that next year. And then the following year, it seems like they just have this, they come back, they come back from the dead and they're able to play at an even higher level. You know, I think of the situation that Nick Muse went through when he tore his ACL. I think of Marshawn uh, Lloyd and his situation when he came back. I know he didn't finish his career at South Carolina, but what he was able to do when he came back from his knee injury. I think of even some of the things that Luke Doty was able to do coming back from his foot injury. So those are just a couple. We can keep going down the list. I'm sure there's many other players who have missed but those are just a couple that come to mind. That's one thing that I would say about Dawkins is what can you get out of him? And even if you're not able to get the Dawkins that you expected to get when he first arrived at South Carolina, the thing is, if he's able just to add some more depth, add some more competition in that room, which is a very, very talented defensive end room, then you're going to be looking pretty good. Never mind the fact that you have gear there. Never mind the fact that you have other bodies. Elijah Davis, I know he transferred in, and he's you know he's someone that has now a year under his belt in the system. There's some good competition. There's some really, really good competition in that room. Very excited to see how things play out. Having said all that, Joe, tax season right around the corner. Yeah, Mike. Who do the, who do the folks need to call? Good friends over at Liberty Tax. Tax ID is an uncertain feeling you get right before doing your taxes, but you don't have to go through it alone. Tax team at Liberty Tax in Irmo, Lexington, and Columbia will walk you through the process, clear up any confusion, and guarantee you'll get the biggest possible refund or your money back. It's tax time. If you're in a hurry for your refund, call in the tax team at Liberty Tax. They're fast, accurate, and guaranteed. On the other hand, if you think you might be owing Uncle Sam, talk to the Liberty Tax Team to make sure you're not paying more than you should owe. They'll find every possible deduction for you. Locally owned and operated, staffed by tax professionals from your neighborhood. Open 99 on weekdays and 9 to 5 on Saturdays with multiple service options. Start through the Liberty Tax mobile app or through their desktop portal. Make an appointment or just walk in. Give a call to upload your tax documents. And when you come in, your return will be ready to review and sign. Give them a call. On your screen right now, and for those listening, 803-462-5576. Once again, 803-462-5576 for all of your tax needs. And today's show is brought to you by our good friend Clint Hammond of the Movement Mortgage. If you're in the process of purchasing a home or you're thinking about going through that process, you understand that for the last about two years, trying to find that low rate on the market, has not necessarily been easy. Well, Clint and his team do an outstanding job, and they can make that process much easier for you the same way they did 
for our very own Wes Mitchell, as well as former Gamecock quarterback Perry Orth, who both of them trying to find homes. Who do they give a call to? They called Clint Hammond, who, as you saw from intern Joe, pointed to right above our heads. Always a sponsor for Gamecock Central and every single one of these GC Live shows. Give Clint and his team a call at 803-771-6933 and let him know that Gamecock Central sent you. If you want to go listen to more of those interviews from South Carolina's newest members via the transfer portal, head on over to the Gamecock Central YouTube page where you can catch them all, over a dozen of those video interviews. In addition to that, you can also go back and watch today's program as well as any other Gamecock Central video for free on the GC YouTube page. In addition to that, if you're a podcast listener, head on over to the Gamecock Central Podcast Network, catch today's show in its entirety, or catch any of the other Gamecock Central shows, including the ones over on 107.5 The Game, as well as the Garnet Trust Hour. You can listen to all those shows, all those podcasts for free. All you need to do is just subscribe. He's in turn, Joe. I'm Mike. You appreciate you guys tuning in today. We're going to have the GC Live post-game show tomorrow. South Carolina takes on Auburn basketball, looking to continue to not only get more momentum as they head closer and closer to March, but they're also in the hunt, also in the hunt, trying to win an SEC regular season crown. Who would have thunk of that all the way back in October. Again, appreciate everyone tuned in today. Enjoy the rest of your Tuesday and enjoy the rest of your week.